Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mini Break, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel production. Your daily pod for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Saturday, January 25th, and we're here to talk about some more Australian Open tennis. Today's Mini Break is brought to you by Diadem, the Florida-based brand making waves in the tennis world. From apparel to rackets to anything else you may need, diademsports.com is the place to go. Listeners, use our exclusive promo code CR50, that's CR50, to get 50% off all rackets, strings, and bags. And uh, another exclusive offer for you listeners with another promo code, go to aerobar.com, use Cracked30 for 30% off your order. Uh, Really, we've got all the hookups, but uh, now it's time. We must truly get into the Australian Open Tennis because that is really what we're here to do. And joining me to do just that, you know him as my Wednesday regular, but truthfully, uh, he's ready for it whenever I call him up. It is the man, Matt Stokowiak. Matt, how's it going? What's going on, Jamie? You know I'm always ready. And, uh, you know, if, if the uh, the second week of the Aussie, you know, is as, as exciting as the first, it's going to be awesome because, you know, we're, what, at the halfway point now, and it's just, it's been an awesome tournament so far. So hopefully, you know, week two will uh, provide the same drama. It really has. Well, you know, judging by some of the matches that we were treated to, even just last night alone, I think that bodes well for the rest of the tournament. Players seem to be in great form. We're seeing some really high level of play. Um, And without further ado, let's go ahead and get right down into it. I think just as we have been doing for the week, we're going to stay, stay the course with this sort of template. We're going to talk about some of the key matches that we really want to get into the weeds on, break those down, and then from there run through the other draws. So, a few matches that I definitely want to hit on, um, the first of which on the women's side, Pliskova going out 7-6, 7-6 at the hands of Pavlyuchenkova, the 30 seed, taking out the 2 seed. I mean, you call it a straight set win, but by no means did it really feel like a straight set win. I mean, this match was incredible from start to finish. I mean, at the beginning of the match, you saw the length of some of these games. I mean, the game duration was insane. A 7-6, 7-6 match clocked in at two and a half hours. Just a battle from start to finish. Yeah, and it was really high-quality tennis too, right? So, I mean, both of these players have a similar style. We know Pliskova wants to rip. I mean, she's obviously a very aggressive player, but that's how Pavlyuchenkova plays as well. So, you know, I know she has that number 30 next to her name. Um, You know, it was certainly an upset. Um, You know, I don't think too many people would have picked her to win this match, but, you know, on the women's side, we see it happen all the time, Jamie. So no upset to me is really that much of a shock, especially when, you know, a player like Pavlyuchenkova possesses the firepower that she does. And, you know, at the end of the day, two really tight sets uh, that came down to tiebreakers, and she was just a little bit better um, in those breakers, and that was really the difference. But both players, I thought, overall, played well. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it friends from the start, right? This was a high level of tennis. And I mean, I think one of the reasons too, just outside of the 30 over a two, that it, that it feels like a bigger upset perhaps um, to some is that Pliskova was somebody that people were circling as a serious contender for this title. And so now, I mean, where does that leave the women's draw, right? Um, and so that's kind of the big part is like, oh man, Pliskova, somebody who we know she can be so dangerous on a hard court. Um, specifically within this match though, I mean, Look, like you like you said, just a really high level of tennis. Both um, both players ended up positive on the differential between winners and unforced errors, which is a mark of a clean match in that regard. Yep. Um, on the side of Pliskova, 35 winners to 29 unforced errors. On the other side of the net, 51 winners to 43 unforced errors. So both did a great job in terms of playing playing the way they needed to play. Ultimately, Plish, ultimately Pliskova just couldn't quite get it done. Yeah, no, I mean, that's really what it came down to. There, there were definitely a lot of chances, um, you know, for both players. And, and like I mentioned, you know, it comes down to those tiebreakers and the margins are so slim. I mean, it, it happens to be a handful of points um, that decide a match that's this close. And, and I just think Pavlyuchenkova stepped up and, and took the match. Um, again, full credit to her. I don't think Pliskova played a bad match. She's not going to look back and be like, man... You know, I, I really just, I, you know, she's going to think she let it slip, obviously, but she can't be that disappointed with her level of play because I thought overall it was good. No, you're absolutely right. And with that, um, you mentioned really only coming down to a few points, and that's right. If you look at the total points, one, Pliskova 108, Pavlyuchenkova 113. So, yeah, just a handful of points really happened to decide this one, and, and ultimately um, that's how we go through. Now waiting for the 30 seed is Angelique Kerber. Um, yeah. You know, we can get into this you know, a little later on another pod, but – a really fun matchup as well. A different clash of styles there. Kerber, obviously someone we've seen have a lot of success at this tournament. I mean, just we don't need to get super into it, but just initial thoughts on that one? Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be the opposite of this match. Pavlyuchenkova is going to be aggressive. Kerber, obviously the neutralizer. She plays more mm -hmm. of a defensive game. So um, it's going to come down to, you know, can Pavlyuchenkova play clean enough where the errors just don't start to pile up? Because Kerber is going to make her play a lot. Um, and you know, it's, it's that clash of styles. So, um, it's really a good opportunity for both players, I think. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you. Well, you know, in another match where we saw a lot of big time hitting, that's where we're going to head next. Um, on the men's side, Margaret court arena, Taylor Fritz, the 29 seed taking on Dominic team, Dominic team, the five seed ultimately coming through six, two, six, four, six, seven, six, four, and roughly a three hour match here. And, you know, ultimately uh, another one for me where I was impressed with the level of tennis in this one. Um, and especially for me too, just looking at the scoreline, right. Um, Good for Taylor Fritz for standing up and getting in that third set, getting yep. himself back in the match. Ultimately, you know, team ends up coming across the finish line, and team's a phenomenal player and deserves to get through this one. But a real testament to, you know, Fritz's maturity, his ability to stay in matches and, and show that he belongs in these sort of matches. Yeah, no question about it, Jamie. I mean, again, if we look at that winner to unforced error ratio, Fritz plus 15, team plus 16. Uh, so really good match overall, but but here's the difference. You know, watching these two guys on the same court, Jamie, this is this is where I think Taylor needs to improve. We know he's got the power. Um, there's no question his serve is, is elite. Um, his groundies are big. But the difference between him and a player like Dominic Team right now is the movement category. 
Dominic Team significantly moves on the court better than Taylor Fritz. And that was obvious, especially in those first couple of sets. When Fritz gets out of position, it's tough for him to really recover and kind of get back in a point. He's got to go for broke a lot. Um, and Team just has that movement, that foot speed you know, a little bit quicker where he can recover, you know, if, if there's a bit of a mistake. So I just, I think both players play big. I like watching the style of tennis. It's fun to watch, but if Taylor wants to elevate, you know, and get up into that top 15, top 10 range, like a Dominic team, the movement's got to get better. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. You mentioned team, of course, an elite mover. That's why he's the five seed. That's why he's been at the top of the game for a while now. Um, you know, the other statistic I wanted to point to as well, you know, movement, of course, is something that is essential and definitely was highlighted in the difference between these two players when they're on, you know, a big stage like this. But for me, it's really just taking advantage of the opportunities that you make for yourself. Um, team, looking at the break points specifically here, he goes five of nine, while Fritz only goes one of seven. Yeah. Um, and and so ultimately, it's just being able to stand up to the line and take advantage. Now, obviously, too, um, some of most of this, or at least a lot, is controlled on the other side of the net, right? What are they doing when, when their back's up against the wall? And of course, we've seen team be able to get out of tough situations before. Once again, that's why he's at the top of the world. But ultimately, um, if you're wanting to pull off a big win like this, getting 14% of break points, only going for one of seven, while team is going five of nine, just not going to be good enough. Yeah, it's not going to cut it. But I do appreciate the way that Taylor fought, you know, to come back and win that third set tiebreaker. I mean, this thing could have been straight sets, no question about it. The fact that he hung in there and really did try to grind it out as much as he could, uh, that that was good to see. I, I really enjoyed, you know, seeing him win that third set. And he definitely didn't go quietly, but team team showed, he you know, he was the better player. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, you're talking about grinding and staying in matches. That leads us perfectly into our next one, a three-hour one between Goffin and Rublev. Goffin, the 11 seeds, uh, Rublev, the 17 seed. So ultimately, when Andre Rublev's coming out on top, it is technically an upset, although it doesn't really feel like one given the uh, sort of the form we've seen Andre Rublev uh, be in. As of late, right. he wins this 2-6, 7-6, 6-4, 7-6. And, you know, really, too, I don't know. I mean, Rublev, he does a good job of bouncing back after that first set because, really, Goffin, he won the first set convincingly, was in a really good spot. He, may, he You know, he was comfortable in that second set after a while. But then Rublev just turned the tide on this match. Yeah, he did, man. And, and he's on – I mean, Rublev hasn't lost in 2020. He's on, like, what, a 14-15 match win streak now? He's won What's two – two, something, something ridiculous like that. So, I mean, the guy just knows how to get it done. And he's feeling so confident in himself. He's winning match after match after match. He's won a couple of titles already. So, I just – I feel like when you're in that mode where you know, like, hey, man, I'm not losing. I'm winning every single match I play. He just found a way to get it done. He didn't lose his confidence after that rough first set because, honestly, it looked like GoFan. It was like, ooh, this is probably going to be the end of the tournament for Rublev after that first set. But he bounced back, man, to win the second and the fourth set in tiebreakers, just that clutch factor. He's feeling it, and I, I love to see it, man, because Rublev, to me, is just one of my favorite players to watch. I, I love the way that he plays the game, and now with that confidence, I mean – it's going to be tough to stop him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was <laughs> just being biased here. 
I was a little sad to see this one go fence somebody I had picked in the Turnitopia. You know, most people had this clash but had Rublev winning. I decided to stick with Gofen. Mainly was just really impressed with some of his performance, particularly that one over Nadal um, at ATP Cup. He beat him in straight sets, and I was like, Gofen, this guy's feeling good right now. Um, and so about a set and a half in, I was feeling really good about that pick. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately that flips around, and, and I should have known not to doubt somebody who's looked as good as Andre Rublev. But you know, you get into this match, right? I mean, Rublev, not the biggest guy, but is able to rattle off 14 aces, um, get some free points for himself. You know, particularly when you talk about getting, you know, getting the most out of your serve. He's winning 78% um, of those first serve points, which is just so huge, right? Anytime you're able to be able to capitalize on that, because we know that Rublev, once he gets into a ground stroke rally, is even more dangerous there. Yeah, yeah, no question. And, you know, if we want to go a little bit further again, um, you know, for, for me, Gofan, if you look at his errors, 51, that's just, that's too many from a guy like David Gofan. I mean, he doesn't make that many errors, you know, when he wins tennis matches. I mean, his game is, you know, consistency. That's what we know him for. So just too many errors. Now, I will say that Rublev does force you into a lot of those. So it makes sense. Um, but if Gofan wanted to win this thing, you just, you can't make that many that I, you know, for me, you know, I always look at a guy like Gofan when his errors are low, you know, he's going to win because that's the name of his game. But when they're up there, it's, it's going to be tough for him just because he doesn't have, you know, the big serve, the big power where, you know, he can make a lot of those errors and still, you know, make up for it. You know what I mean? So, um, Good match, though. Really good match. And, and Gofan, I think, is he's going to have a good year. But Rublev right now, man, just can't be stopped. It, his mentality, he's just feeling so good every time he steps on the court. Yeah, definitely. And one thing, too, that was really interesting to me, you know, you mentioned Gofen's game style. We've seen him. He's been around for a while, so we know what to expect. But he also knew that strategically, you know, he was going to try and do something a little different today in, or last night, excuse me, in terms of how he was going to try and make Rublev uncomfortable. You notice, you, you cite the errors. Clearly, he was trying to, you know, force the issue a bit. Um, really where that stands out to me is the net points. He goes 29 of 37. I mean, Gofen coming to the net 37 times. Um, not a guy who we always think of, you know, necessarily trying to finish points at the net, right? He's the yeah. consistency. We know him as that steady baseliner, but he knew today that was, uh, or he came in thinking that was the strategy to do it. And ultimately in terms of converting on those points, 29 of 37 is not bad at all. And so in terms of executing that game style, I think he did a good job. Ultimately, Gofen converts 78% of those net points, 29 of 37, coming to the net a lot, really displaying the strategy he was trying to execute, and ultimately just not quite good enough overall um, to get it done, but really this one's, this one's more of a testament to how well Rublev has been playing, and ultimately, you know, Rublev deserves to be in the next round, right? Yeah, he does. I mean, the guy hasn't lost all year. He's just, he's feeling it. Like I said, it's going to be hard to pick against him. I mean, you know, I know, I know, and we might talk about this in a little bit, but um, he's up against Zverev next, I believe. And that that's, that's going to be an interesting one because Zverev is only, uh, he has not lost a set this entire tournament. So something's got to give there. That'll be a fun one. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them.
Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I know we were talking about quite a few net points, and uh, if you watch the next match we're going to talk about, Kyrgios against Hatchinov, you know that there were a ton of net points in that one. Granted, that's what happens, you know, a lot of the times when you have a crazy five-set match, there's just going to be that many more points, but both of these guys came to the net quite a few times. Let's go ahead and hop into that one. Kyrgios, the 23 seed, taking out Hachinov, the 16 seed, 6-2, with a 10-8 score in that 10-set breaker. I mean, just first of all, wow. Yeah, th- this match was epic, man. I mean, this is going to be one of those, you know, that we remember, I mean, years down the road. Just the quality of play... The fight of both guys. We don't typically say that about Nick Kyrgios, but this is a match where, I mean, he played as well and and dug as deep as I have ever seen him to, to win that match. And I think the crowd had a lot to do with it, obviously. He acknowledged them afterwards. But man, I mean, they, they almost willed him to win this match because going into that fifth set, I mean, obviously the first two went his way, but Hatchinov battled back wins the third and fourth in two tiebreakers. And then obviously we get the super breaker, which is super cool in the fifth set. But, oh my God, man. I mean, this was just an outstanding match. I I would watch this over and over again if I could. Both guys, incredible. Yeah, we're saving the best for last here for sure. Yeah, four and a half hour battle. You mentioned the crowd definitely, you know, not only is it something that Curios mentioned, but something that if you were watching this, you could simply tell. I mean, they were lifting him up and um, they were trying to do that. And ultimately, I think they succeeded. But, you know, when we get into this match, I mean, wow, where to start, right? I mean, such a roller coaster, especially for Curios getting up that two sets to lovely, then, you know, losing the third and fourth set in breakers, coming back and then winning the fifth, 10 8. I mean, there's so many things you could say. I think for me, in terms of how this match went, though, both guys just so effective on their first serves, right? I mean, both of them, 81 and 82% respectively. 81% for Hatchinov, 82% win percentage for Kyrgios when that first serve goes in. And ultimately, the statistics are very similar on how often the first serve went in. 68% for Hatchinov, 67 for Kyrgios. So really yeah. a battle of two guys who were just banging the first serve. Yeah, no, and we know that. That's to be expected. I mean, obviously, these guys can both bring the heat. um, No doubt about that. And, you know, again, there really was hardly anything that separated these two guys in this match. And Kyrgios just, I think after the fourth set, mentally, he was starting to waver a little bit. But, man, somehow he was able to dig and, and, and just will himself to win that match. Because, honestly, I think, Jamie, he was running out of gas. I mean, you could tell in that fifth set... I mean, he was on fumes, and it looked like, you know, I I didn't know if he was going to be able to pull it out, but then they get in that super tiebreaker. He finds a way to win, like, the last three or four points. Um, I believe he was down 8-7 in the breaker, you know, and then wins three in a row to take it 10-8. Just, I mean, my hat is off to both guys. I don't think we can really look at this from either standpoint, you know, and just say, you know, here's what he did wrong. You know, this is where things went awry. I I don't look at that, you know, for Hatchinov, I know he's going to be gutted that he lost this match. I mean, it was a big opportunity for him to get to the fourth round of, of the Australian open, but man, at the end of the day, he played fantastic. He was able to win the third and fourth sets after being down and out. And I just, it it was awesome, man. I, I can't express enough how much I enjoyed watching these guys play. And if Nick Kyrgios could just do that, 
week in, week out on the tour. I mean, that's the guy that I want to see. That's the Nick Kyrgios that I love watching. We just don't get that every time. And, and that's what I don't like. When all the antics come into play, and there were a few in this match. I mean, it wasn't, you know, a completely just clean match from Nick Kyrgios. I know he got into, you know, a couple of arguments with the chair umpire like he typically does. That's okay. But man, if he could channel that, he just needs to play in Australia, I think. Because if he's got that crowd behind him, he wants to win. I feel like as badly for them as he does himself, which is kind of funny, but I honestly think that's the truth. No, it's one of those guys where, where he feels like there's something external that he's playing for. His level's just that much higher. You right. see it in the team events that he plays for Australia or in Labor Cup. Now, you know, he's in his home, he's in his home environment, and he feels like he's got a lot to play for. And, I mean, really, the tennis speaks for, him, for itself. I know I already talked about the serve, but i got to talk about it some more. 33 aces to only four double, double faults. I mean, 97 winners to 52 unforced errors. Of course, the winner count being inflated by all of those aces. But, I mean, also, his first serve average is 127 miles an hour. That is huge. Yeah. That is huge. And he's still making, what was it, 68, 67% of those? That is phenomenal to do that over such a grind of a five-set match. Um, you know, fastest serve, this is just a little bit of fun trivia, but um, both of them, hit a 143-mile-an-hour serve in this match. That is scorching. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man, this match literally had everything. It was epic. I'm going to remember it forever. Um, you know, it just, it, it's crazy, man. It, it really was. Yeah, well, that one was an absolute treat. Hopefully, I mean, of course, we know Kyrgios will now be taking on Nadal. Before we hop in to, you know, just recap where we are in terms of seeds being eliminated on the draws, in terms of Kyrgios, physically, you think he's going to be all right You know, when he shows up and, and has to go against Nadal? It's going to be tough, man, to recover just mentally and physically after that kind of a match to come back and then have to play Rafa, which is probably like the, the one guy that you don't want to play when you're drained. I think it's going to be really tough. I just, I hope he has enough gas you know, to, to make it a really good match. I mean, obviously, he's beaten Rafa several times, so he's got the skills to do it. I just don't know, you know, with such a, a, a quick turnaround, if he's going to have enough to win a three out of five set match against Rafa. I'm not ready to go there yet. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're right. But I guess we will see how that one plays out. Ultimately, like I said, let's get just sort of a quick level set so no, so we know where we're at on both sides. On the women's side, just to run you through the seeds that have been eliminated. Of course, this list is just stacking if you've been listening with us throughout the week. Rybikina, Alexandrova, Kanta, Vondrasova, Anisimova, Stevens, Sevastova. A lot of Ovas, by the way. I didn't do my Ova count this time, but man, maybe I should have. <laughs> We've done that before. <laughs> Strakova, uh, Sabalenka, Yastrzemska, Martit, uh, Mukova. Collins, Serena Williams going out, Osaka, and Keys. So that many seeds have been eliminated. Um, you know, we're talking about the most recent ones to be eliminated. Mugarutha taking out Alina Svitolina in very convincing fashion. Um, the un unseeded over the five seeds, 6-1, 6-2. Kontovit destroying uh, Belinda Bencic, 6-0, 6-1. A couple of really convincing wins from uh, from those two right there. Um, Donna Bekic going out. Um, the 19th seed we see go down 7-5, And a little bit of a fun fact for you. Thank you. Shout out to our guy Gruskin who couldn't be on this one today. We lost six of the top ten seeds in this round. Pliskova, Osaka, Spitalina, Benchich, Serena, and Madison Keys all this round. 
Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. I mean, a lot of those upsets, obviously, we wouldn't, you know, nobody was going to predict, you know, Serena losing to Wong and, you know, Benchich losing to Contivate with winning one game. I mean, in under an hour, 49-minute match, there's no way that anybody would have predicted that. But again, I know we talk about this a lot, but that's what makes the women's game so much fun because all of these players can really come through if they play well. Um, a lot of the matches are toss-ups, even, you know, regardless of seed, it doesn't really matter who's seeded where the, the playing field is, is really leveled. So I think it sets up for an interesting second week, especially on the women's side, just because the draw is so wide open. Anybody could take it. Definitely. And when you have people like Muguruza who have been at the top of the game, right. lingering there with no seeds, I mean, that's just that's she's, just danger lurking somewhere, right? She's <laughs> clearly good enough to be a seeded player. That's like what Absolutely. I'm saying. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's why in some in some instances, especially on the WTA, seeds don't matter quite as much because we know Muguruza. I mean, obviously, she's won multiple Grand Slams. She's worthy of a seed, a high seed at that when she's playing well. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's also get into, just to round out on the women's side, the other matches. In terms of the three set, those that went the distance on the women's side, Elise Mertens, the 16 seed, taking out CC Bellis, 6-1, 6-7, 6-0. Um, a bit of an odd scoreline, but oddly enough, follows the pattern of our next one as well. Kerber, the 17 seed, taking out Georgie, 6-2, 6-7, 6-3. Really some, you know, not as competitive in the, in the first and third sets, but that, the, the tie break in that second set. I mean, ultimately, unfortunate, of course, to see CC Bellis go out in this one. Thought after that second set, maybe the, the momentum would be, you know, swinging her way and there were things would look good. But Mertens, ultimately, just too good in that third set. Yeah, she was. Mertens is a good player, obviously. And Bellis is still, you know, I mean, I consider her cup still coming back. So, um, to me, third round for her at this tournament, in, in my mind, that that's a really good result and something that she can build off of. I did not expect her to reach the third round, you know, entering this tournament. So, um, I think I think there's a lot of positives that she can take out of it. Yeah, not a bad result at all. Um, finally, we also had Halep, the four seed, still looking solid, taking out Putin Seva, 6-1, 6-4, and Burton's the nine seed, um, taking over Dias, 6-2, 7-6. So they both move on as well. Um, on the men's side, we already mentioned we had the five-set battle between Kyrgios and Hatchinov. That was the only one that went five. But once again, just as we did on the women's side, we will update you on the seeds that have been eliminated just to give you that sort of running list. Um, Sanga, Shapovalov, FAA, Chorich, Benoit Pair, Dan Evans, Hercatch, Berrettini, Dimitrov, Vasilishvili, Sitsipas, RBA, um, Pella, and Lazarevic. Now, of course, we also had some more seeds eliminated. Karina Busta, Fritz, Hatchinov, Gofin, and Isner. Seeds being eliminated, once again, at this point, really starts to mean a little bit less because the seeds are stacking up against one another. Um, so that a little bit less meaningful in terms of big-time first and second round upsets. But ultimately, I mean, that's still, that's still a good amount of high seeds that are taken out. Of course, we know how chaotic Federer's section of the draw became that. And so um, the names we just listed, a few more seeds that are no longer in the tournament. Unfortunate for Isner, of course, right? I mean, we, we saw he had to ultimately retire and withdraw from the tournament in that match against Stan. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I mean, I didn't think Isner, of course, you never really know what's going on. I was not expecting that. You know, there's sometimes, too, we, we've been hearing chatter about Monfils having hurt his hand. Right. Wouldn't have been terribly surprised with a uh, withdrawal from there, but didn't see that coming from Isner, honestly. Yeah, no, we didn't. I mean, we didn't hear any... Um 
you know, the, the chatter about a potential injury there. So um, disappointing for John. I mean, Stan obviously, you know, could, could have won the match anyway. You know, he was, he was up big um, at the time of the retirement. So I have no doubts that Stan, you know, still could have won this match. But it, it, it'd be nice to see John, you know, fully healthy, you know, everything working well, big serve, big forehand, um, you know, and how that would stack up against Stan. But um, you know, it is what it is. I just hope, he, you know, Isner can get healthy for the rest of the year because, you know, at his age now and with his body type, I mean, any injuries to a guy like that, especially at this stage of his career, it's a little bit more concerning. Um, so I just, I hope, he can, I hope he can get back. Yeah, of course. And Vavrinka, as you mentioned, it was up 6-4-4-1 when Isner had to retire. Um, you know, of course, in a situation like that, you never know how Isner was feeling throughout that entire match. Ultimately decides to call it there. But um, unfortunate, of course, but the 15th seed Vavrinka is moving on. In terms of other results to round out that round, um, Nadal takes out Pablo Carina Busta in very convincing fashion, 6-1, 6-2, 6-4. Zverev, the seven seed, taking out Verdasco, 6-2, 6-2, 6-4, also an, uh, a fairly routine win for him. Daniil Medvedev takes out Alexei Poprin, 6-4, 6-3, 6-2. Gael Monfils takes out Golda, 7-6, 6-4, 6-3. Um, and here we have it. That brings us to where we are now, which the most fun part of any of these pods is previewing the next, uh, the next and upcoming matches. So for tonight, um, day seven preview, a lot on the docket, um, a lot of things to look at. I mean, I think there's there's some fun ones on here. I will start on the women's side. Some good matches, right? We got Ash Barty, the one seed, taking on Allison Risk. You know, interestingly, in the career head-to-head here, Risk leads 2-0. Um, you know, both, both those matches were on grass. Yep. yep. And so, you know, most recently we saw Risk take out Barty at Wimbledon 2019. So, a lot of things to consider here, right? Obviously, Risk has in the back of her head the ability. She knows that she has the ability to win this sort of match. That goes a long way when you're playing a one seed on home court. I mean, predictions for the match? Yeah, I'm going to take Barty. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see Risk win. It's not on grass. This is in Australia. Um, I just... I'd love to be able to call the upset here, but I just... I, I can't do it, Jamie. I mean, you know, there's too many factors... You know, when I break it down, that just point to Ash Barty being able to, you know, win this match. Now, I think it could be close. I could see a three-setter. I could see, you know, a tight two-setter. But um, give me the hometown Ash Barty in this one. Yeah, fair enough. I think that you are right. Another one to watch out for, too, the seven-seed Petra Kvitova taking on Sakari of Greece. That's the 22-seed. Um, again, um, the person who's not favored in this one leads the career head-to-head 2-1. Those matches coming in 2019. They've never met at a major. Kvitova, obviously such a veteran, and you know we all know what she's gone through even recently in her, her career on and off the court. I mean, I'm always going to be somebody who's rooting for Kvitova. And this one, I mean, Sakari looked really solid in that win over Madison Keys, getting that yeah. recent win. This is a tough one to call. I, eh, I don't know. I'll be rooting for Kvitova, but it would not shock me at all if Sakari wins this one. Yeah, I mean, I think this this is upset alert. I mean, this is one mm-hmm. to, to keep an eye on. You know, Sakari's been – both players have been playing well. Kvitova played really well in her last match. So I'm going to lean True. towards Kvitova, just all the experience in Grand Slams. Um, you know, I, I love her lefty game. I, I'm going to lean Kvitova, but again, there's a bit of a pause because, you know, Sakari, you know, knows how to play her. She's obviously won matches against Kvitova in the past. So 
This, you know, I, I may be wrong on this one. I, I very well could be, but give me Kvitova. No, I like it. That's right. I mean, Kvitova, you mentioned it, especially in her last round, looking very solid. Um, third, we've also got the 27th seed who just took out Serena Williams. Wong taking on Javour. Uh, career head-to-head, Wong leads that 2-0. and oh. Recently, these two met, um, and it was a fairly convincing 0-3 oh win for the 27th seed. That was right at the beginning of the year. I think it's fair to say that she's got the edge in this one, right? I mean, yeah, but but Jamie Jabour has played awesome this tournament. I mean, she has. I, I didn't realize. I mean, obviously, I had seen her play in the past, and you know, we've heard of her name and everything. But she's not typically a factor in majors at this stage. You know, we're talking second week now, fourth round of the Aussie. So. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you where Wong, you know, I mean, especially the way that she looked against Serena. I mean, I I hadn't, I mean, that was a phenomenal performance from Wong, but I don't know, man. I mean, I think this is a bit of a toss up. I will lean towards Wong again, but I, I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if Jabor won this because Wong, you never know how they're going to respond after a huge win like Serena mm. Williams. I mean, yeah. there could be there could be a letdown here. There there could absolutely be a letdown, and Jabor could win this match. I, I could see it happening. Um, I'll go with Wong, though, uh, just based off of previous head-to-head. Uh, but I'm hesitant, man. Yeah, that, it's tough. This is I almost mean, a toss-up to me. I really don't want to be betting on any of these. Uh, these these all, <laughs> I'm very cautious with all I know. of these, of course. And, and the fourth one, um, you know, maybe most of all, one that we're very excited about, of course, the 14th seed, Sophia Kennan, taking on Coco Goff in what will be their first pro matchup. I mean, so many things you could say about this match, but, whew, I mean, I'm rooting for both of them. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know what else to say at this point, right? The good news is one of them's going to win and be in the quarterfinals. Correct. That's, that's the good news. Um, you know, these two really, I mean, if we're talking about the young Americans, Goff, Kennan, and then the only other one I'd throw in there at the top of my list would be Amanda uh, Anasimova. Those three mm. are my favorites. I'm going to pick Goff just because I want to see her run. I just want to see it continue. I really do. But I love Kennan as well. I mean, whichever one wins, you know, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm going to be very happy for either one of them. But I'm going to pick Coco Goff. I think she's just a little bit more athletic. Her movement, I'm going to give her the edge in that category. Serve-wise, I'll take Coco Goff. No, I think that's fair, and you know it's hard to doubt somebody like Coco Goff from what we've seen from her. Just a phenomenal level, the way she handled Osaka even. Um, certainly not Osaka's best day by any stretch, but still being able to take that, take the reins in a match like that and win on the big stage really should give anybody a bit of a scare who's going to see her next in the draw. So definitely going to be look for, looking forward to that one. On the men's side, let's go ahead and flip to run you through those. We've got Milos Raonic taking on Marin Cilic. Uh, Marin Cilic, one of those, you know, similar to Muguruza on the women's side, right, where, he, yes, he's unseated, but does anybody actually see him like that? No, because that's not who he is, right? He's proven time and time again that's not, you know, really the caliber of player, and he's looked very solid. Cilic does lead their career head-to-head 2-1. Have not met at a slam. Um, ultimately, I mean, I think... God, the level we saw from Raonic against Tsitsipas even yep. was very impressive to me. I mean, it's hard to doubt a guy like that. I think, yes, Cilic has got through, but you know his wins have been a little bit tougher. That five-setter against Bautista Agut, I don't know. It's, it's just 
to me, it's going to be hard to bet against Milos Raonic in the way he's serving right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the 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 way that he played in that last round, just it, it for me, I, I'm leaning Milos in this match. Obviously, Chilich, Grand Slam champion. You know, he's not really an unseated player. Again, we just talked about that on the women's side with someone like Muguruza. Chilich mm-hmm. is the same way. I mean, the guy won the U.S. Open. He's awesome, but. Based off of what I've seen throughout this tournament in the first week, I think Milos is really kind of under the radar, you know, and, and the way that he took out Stefano Tsitsipas, I, I'm, I'm going to lean Milos in this one. Yep, I'm leaning Ranich as well. Um, leads us into our second. Fabio Fognini, the 12 seed, will be taking on another unseated uh, in tennis Sandgren. Career head-to-head, Fognini leads it 2-1. Um, Sandra did win their last meeting, which was at the third round of Wimbledon. I mean, this one's tough, right? Anytime we're talking about Fognini, it's going to be tough to really preview <laughs> and predict what's happening. But, I mean, let's stick to what we have seen, particularly on the tennis Sandgren side. And what we've seen has been very, very good. I, To me, I mean, I know Fognini will probably come in as a pretty heavy favorite here, but... I would not be surprised at all if I see Sandrin come through this one. Yeah, no, this is upset alert. So, I mean, tennis has been awesome throughout, you know, the first week. Fognini really, I mean, he had to battle those first couple rounds just Mm -hmm. to get through. And the fact that he did that, you know, he wins that last match against Pella convincingly. I mean, it's just, it's dangerous because if Fognini plays to the level that he can play, if he plays his best, he'll win this match. But if he doesn't, you never know where his head is going to be at. I mean, is he going to be fully engaged? If he is, I like Fognini. But I don't know, man. This is upset alert to me, and I think Tennis Sandgren can get it done. I'm going to go with the American and pick the upset here. Uh, He's played really well throughout the course of this tournament. I I don't see that stopping here. I think he can match up with Fognini. I'm expecting a good match, but I'll take Tennis in the upset. No, I like that pick. I, I respect that for sure. I mean, and I think you, you mentioned Fognini's match is not only difficult, putting some miles on him as well. And that's not to say Sandgren hasn't had battles as well, but man, did those matches take it out of Fognini. So, yep. um, you know, obviously we hope he's, he's doing well physically coming into the match, but you've got to think that that may catch up to him. Um, particularly a guy like Sandgren, who's in phenomenal shape and will be able, I, I, I fully expect Sandgren to be out there and go out there and, and be fine for seven hours, right? Yeah. Um, a guy like that um, is a very dangerous matchup for Fognini at, at this stage, given the path that Fabio has had. But um, you pick the upset there, one that I will not be picking at the upset in our next match, the 14 seed Diego Schwartzman taking on Novak Djokovic. I mean, there's a lot of things you can say. I think Schwartzman has looked really good, but ultimately i just can't yeah, no. come close to declaring this one as i'm gonna pick diego over novak no there's no way i mean w- what we've seen from novak there's no reason for us to to pick against him i mean we haven't seen anything alarming he's looked good um obviously diego is an awesome player but it's just it's not a good matchup for him i mean stylistically yeah. djokovic just does everything better you know they're both grinders they're gonna make a lot of balls but at the end of the day novak is obviously you know the the player that he is for a reason um unless something drastically goes wrong you know there's an injury or you know he is just way off his game I don't expect that to happen. Give me Novak all the way. Yep, I'm with you on that one. 
Um, of course, the fun here is when something does happen and then we look like idiots later. But, uh, you know, that's just part of the spirit. Um, and finally, our fourth match to go through here, Roger Federer, the three seed. Of course, we know he just had that incredible match against John Millman. We'll be taking on Fucevic in the next round. I mean, Fucevic honestly just <laughs> in some ways, not you know, not to sort of downplay what he's done because he's had some great results. But honestly, it's like, oh, Coming out of this, getting into the next round, really, this is who Roger Federer is playing with. All of the, those headliners that we saw in his section, the Hercats, the Dimitrov, um, all of that talent, and he's playing Fucevic to get to the next round. That's surprising, and I mean, I think Federer is just going to have to come in as a huge favorite in this one. Yeah, for sure, he will, and and I'm going to pick Roger. Now, of mm-hmm. course, that match with Millman, I mean, took, I would imagine that took quite a bit out of him. Again, at his age, when you go the distance like that and you win 10-8 in the fifth set breaker, you know, the, there's got to be a bit of fatigue, but if anybody can bounce back, we know it's Roger. He's done this his entire career, and and the fact that he does have Fuksovic's, um, you know, in this fourth round, I think that just sets up well. If it was anybody else, you know, it, it could have been a little more dangerous for a possible upset alert. But I, I just, I think Roger's going to find a way to get through this one for sure. Um, I, I just, I do. It, he got lucky, um, you know, like you mentioned, Jamie, that, that this is his opponent in this round because it could have been a lot of other players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're coming out of this. Like I already mentioned, Hercatch and Petrov. I, right. I, I believe that was the same section. It could have been Shapovalov, too. That's who Fucevic beat in the first round in the first place. And yep. now we're here in the fourth round, and, and that's what's crazy. I think I think what maybe brings this a little bit closer together is the fact, of course, you know, Federer has that really, really tough match on him, that Millman match, whereas Fucevic had a very, very routine 1-1-4 and match in his third round against Tommy Paul. So he's going to be feeling really fresh, a pretty good scenario, pretty much as good as you can get if you're Fucevic, but ultimately Federer is still Federer for a reason, right? And he is going to be the favorite. Um, You hope that the full day of rest can at least get him back to a point where he's feeling good physically. Um, I'm taking the three seed. Yeah, and and Jamie, I just want to say this. I mean, when, when we look at this bottom half of the draw, it looks like Novak and, and Rogers should be on a collision course for that semifinal matchup. They really should be. I mean, I, I hope that happens because I want to watch it. And I just don't see, you know, anybody in there. We obviously mentioned, you know, Milos Reynich, Marin Cilic, a guy like Fognini. I, I don't think any of those guys... I, from what I've seen, are going to be big enough threats. I fully expect to see Roger and Novak face off in the semis. Yeah, well, then most of the tennis world will be very, very happy. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I'm sure with the Djokovic and Federer matchup, Gruskin will not be. But hey, you know, most of the tennis world will be. But um, that wraps up all of the action that we're going to talk about, at least for previewing day seven on both the men's and women's side. Real quick before I let you go, going to give you a couple takes. I, uh, listeners, if you've been with us throughout the week, you know Gruskin and I have been going back and forth and back and forth on our good take, bad take, hot take. A um, little bit of a little section we've had going here, but I'm going to do an abbreviated version of that with Matt. I'm going to give him a couple takes, give him the chance to say uh, that's a bad take. Essentially the same version of the Alex, you're effing crazy, but just a little bit toned down for us here. So, Matt, you ready? Yep, let's do it. All right, so starting on the women's side. An American woman, uh, excuse me, an American woman will make the semis. Good take, bad take, hot take. <sighs> will make the semis. Mm-hmm. I think that's a hot take. I, I don't want to say it's a good take, um, 
because it's definitely not a good take because they wouldn't be favored. <laughs> they wouldn't be favored. But I don't think it's a bad take either necessarily because the way that Coco Golf has been playing, I mean, I, I can't call it a bad take either. So I guess I'm, I'm going to put that in the category of hot take um, because obviously, Jamie, I know you want those Americans to be there at the end of the tournament. So I'm, I'm going to say that's a hot take from you. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, if I were answering this, I'm looking, I'm really looking to Goff and Kennan guarantees an American into the quarters, right? Um, and then that matchup will either be against Jabour or Wong. I think a winnable match for either of the Americans. So I think it's definitely in play, but no, I'm, I, I respect that. I think that's an all right answer. Um, got anything else on that in terms of American women? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Risk, it's going to be tough. So, you know, we've only got yeah. three left, and, and Risk plays that Barty match. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not counting on that one. Like you mentioned, it's either going to come from Goff or Kennan. Um, so, again, not a bad take by any stretch. I'm just, uh, I don't know if I can call it a good take either. All right, well, fair enough. And then let's flip to the men's side for the take on in that draw. Of all of the guys, Raonic is the man on biggest upset alert. Good take, bad take, hot take. Do you mean in the entire fourth round or just the the four matches that are going to be played tonight that we just talked about? Um, I'll extend that. All fourth round. All fourth round. Um, repeat the question again. Milos is the player most on Upsettler? Yes. Bad take. Bad take. Definitely not. Uh, if we're looking at the entire fourth round, I think Alex Zverev is on major upset alert against Andre Rublev, even more so, I think, than, than Milos Cilic. Um, okay. You know, of course, you know, a, a guy like Dominic Team could be on upset alert. You know, he plays Monfils. That, I think that's even a little bit more of an upset alert possibility than uh, Milos and Cilic. So, yeah, no, I'm going to have to say that's a bad take. I, I don't think Milos is on as much of an upset alert as, as some of these other matches. Or even, how about Fabio Fognini? I think Tennis Sangren, that's 100% that, that's upset alert. Um, so in that case, you know, what did I just say? Two or three, three, four matches that I would put as a higher percent chance of upset alert than the Milos match. All right, no, that's fair. I got. I always got to throw in one bad take there. I got to get the reaction, but... <laughs> I'm going to flip and it I'm on gonna, you if, now. If, if Chilich <laughs> wins that, I'm going to look so bad. Man, I hope he does just for that. No, I know. Uh, but I know. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to flip it on you though. So if I know you just listed off a few of them, if you had to pick one that you yeah. think is the biggest upset alert, which one is it then? I'm going to go Rublev. I yeah. mean, look, th- this guy is hot. I mean, he's not losing. He's he's just not losing tennis matches. I think that is major upset alert. Now, I know Zverev has not dropped a set. He's looked yeah. very good, and I'm happy to see that because that's what we've been waiting for out of Zverev. But, man, that is major upset alert. And, and you know, if Rublev just continues to play that he, you know play the way that he has been, he'll, he'll probably win that match. So, to me, yeah. that's the one that is absolutely major upset alert. No, I think that is more than fair. But, uh, well, listeners, that does conclude all that we've got in terms of previewing new action, giving you uh, everything we can, getting you up to date and up to speed if you did miss any of those matches. Um, please continue to listen with us across the week. We're going to have a really fun time in the second week here um, in the action in Australia. We've enjoyed it so, so much. 
Um, and so we hope you do the same. You know, follow us on social as well for those immediate updates. And then, of course, look for the mini break. Look for the GSP as we release more and more episodes. Matt, I want to thank you for hopping on as well, you know, turning into more than just my Wednesday regular. It's been fun, right? Always, man. It's always fun, especially during slams, right? I mean, this is what we wait for all year. You know, we kind of went through the off season, finding different topics to talk about. Now we got the juicy stuff, man. So this is, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed. And Matt, what do we say? That's a break. All right. And we'll catch you guys next time.